W's. That's what this is about. The finer points of W's. A few random activities that are connected only by the fact that they begin with the letter W. Sufi, oh, he's telling me to go over to the right. Too late. Things like weirs. Watching grass grow. Turn it and writing. Get a balance on it so that it's, it's it looks as if it's sitting nicely. It's not leaning forward. Oh, I had the the bottom of the legs. Washing. Up. Up. Why? Because the water will drip down. Oh, will that not keep the waistband wetter? No, because all the water in the waistband would go down that way. So you do it the other way. And one little W right at the end. But what you notice is the relentlessness of the water coming over. And if you tip at all... The water kind of doesn't stop and wait for you to get yourself right. <laughs> it keeps going. It doesn't know. <laughs> so, and, and once that happens and, and you lose that control, you know, it can be very difficult to, re- to regain it, you know. You so, say a prayer river when you're going over the weir. Uh, going over weir is a kind of a prayer in itself, really. It's, it's, uh... <laughs> this is Sean Farrell. He brought me on a canoe journey down the River Barrow with himself and Tom O'Donnell. Shooting weirs is their thing. Okay, here it goes. Oh my god. Oh no. I'm getting to the edge of my three feet. Two feet. Oh, he's telling me to go over to the right. Too late. on the barrow tend to be of similar construction all the way along. They're basically made to form a canal around a fast-flowing bit of river or a difficult bit of river to navigate. So the construction of them is they're, they're like a wall, basically, holding back the river, but generally in order to allow the fish back up the river, there's normally a space, a slide for the fish and that's where the kayakers, the canoers, would look to, to get down. So when we're looking at the weir, we're looking at a sloping wall. Right, that's holding back the river, Which yeah. is holding back the river, and there's a kind of a thin veneer of water flowing down most of it. There is, but there's a, if you watch out, if you look across there now and just look along the horizon, you'll see, you're practically imperceptible at, at some times, but the slightest of a dip, and that's where, that's where you'll head for. You'll go for that then obviously you'll scout it. You won't just head straight down it because there could be anything stuck in it. Because naturally a fish can get up it and more water can get down it. So can uh, obstructions, bits, branches of trees or bicycles or shopping trolleys. Although you don't get too many of those in fairness on the barrow. So you, you'd, you'd always scout it, you know. You wouldn't, you wouldn't just barrel straight over it because you could end up stuck at the bottom. OK, 
So this is a, a go over the oh look at all the cows coming over to the edge to have a look. So I'm going over the edge and we've got to do a, a hard left hand turn as we go over the edge. Right, so paddle over the edge. Sweep to the right. Okay. Just in the rock ah! and the water. Ah, the boat is, I'm hanging with the boat and I'm sliding down the river. Ah. I can. Oh god. Oh sore now, I have to hit my legs off the rocks in the bottom. And when you see the water hitting the bottom then, it often forms a little stopper. What's a stopper? Explain the stopper. Stopper is where the relatively fast water flowing down the, the face of the weir hits relatively slow-moving massive water at the bottom. Now the water coming down has to go somewhere, but the other water effectively holds it back. So that water then has to find its way out, because whatever water is going down the weir has to eventually get down the river. So. It, it forms what's some kind it's called a recirculation or a, we call it a stopper where the water literally recirculates almost like it's in a washing machine so for a kayaker observing something like that the first rule is if the size of the stopper or the toe back on the stopper is longer than the length of your boat you don't hit it because once you're sitting in that then all the force of the water is pushing you backwards pushing you back into the weir and eventually trying to turn you over so could you, could you drown? Could you drown? Of course you could drown. Yeah, no, this is, this is an adventure sport, you know. So usually you'll burst through it because what's happening is you're coming down at some speed. So you're going to burst through once you give a good paddle, at, you know, paddle through at the bottom. But you'll feel it, you'll feel it tugging at you, you know. But when you say shooting the weirs here, what you're actually doing then is shooting the stopper, aren't you, at the bottom of the weir? Yeah, you exactly. You can slide down an easy weir. Ah, you sure. can slide down. Yes, the slide down is the, is the nice bit. It's when you hit the bottom then. It's, you just got to make sure you get through. Three feet, two feet, one foot. Oh, my God. Oh, God. Oh, no. Paddle, 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 paddle. Standing on the weir, I've just fallen in, and the boat and the paddle have gone down the river, and the lads are bringing it back up. Oh, that was stupid. There's a message in here somewhere, isn't there? When you can't do something, you should really know when to stop. Okay, I'm going to try it again. This is the third time trying to do the same weir. If I fall in this time, I'm going home. Okay, here we go. Ten feet away, fifteen feet. Five, four, three, two, one. Paddle, 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 paddle. Oh, Jesus, I did it. <laughs> Beat that bloody weir. Oh, God. It's a different kind of work. It's a very singular. It's, it's about getting yourself there. You're not worrying about spreadsheets or plans or anything like that you don't you don't nothing else is in your head except what's my next move what skill do i need to get over there have i got the skill 
and then execute it. Just do it. And obviously work with your work with your colleagues, work with your friends as well and make sure everybody is safe. When I go down, go out towards the wall. Okay. Alright, so I'm aiming for the depression and the the line of the weir. Three feet, two feet, one foot, straight over. Whoa, 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 keep paddling! Keep paddling. Oh, I think I got the hang of this. to get a balance with, with gothic S's. Have we got one there? There's one there. You have to be careful to leave enough space for the, the, the top section. It's sitting nicely. It's not leaning forward or it's not, it's not squeezed up like a little S hook. It, it, there should be a, a nice graceful line to it. W is for writing. Is that an oil stone? No, it's a, it's a diamond, some kind of a diamond stone. David and Brendan Crow write on gravestones in their Dublin workshop, which is bang up against the wall of Guinnesses in the old city. How often do you have to uh, sharpen it? It depends on the stone that you're, you're, you're working on. Um, you'll probably get five, six dozen letters out of it, and then you go back over and have to sharpen it again. What, five or six dozen letters? Yeah. Well, that's good. But that's marble. That's granite. Oh, that's granite? Yeah. Okay. Any of the polished stones that you see outside, they're all granites. But the polish won't stay on the marble. Will it not? No, not outdoor. Is marble a soft Softer stone? Soft stone, yeah. It's like limestone, our own limestone. If you polish that, it goes jet black as well. Right. But the polish won't stay on over, over a period of time. This is the sound you might hear if you're in, in a country cemetery on a summer evening. And... You'd, you'd find, if you look around, there's some person immersed or having in a grave, engraving a new name on a headstone. So it, it's the... Uh, it, people might hear the sound and wonder what it, what it, what it is, but it's, it's somebody hand-engraving, lettering. It's a very distinctive sound. It's not the same. It's not the same sound as as you'd hear people in cutting stone, which would be different. This is a more careful sound. It's a it's a more regular sound, and there's a certain pattern to it. But here you can sit in the chair, but you're out in the 
cemeteries it's tougher is it it would be yeah you'd have to maybe dig a hole sit down depend especially on the, when you get down to the bottom of the stone so you'd actually be in the grave itself doing it with your feet on the coffin uh certain times you would do yeah do, do people it. not get upset by that i don't think they realize they wouldn't know yeah. i mean if you were doing it by machine naturally enough you wouldn't have to but when you're doing it by hand you have no choice but to get down yeah. especially when you're at the bottom if it's the last name I've had my feet on coffins plenty of times, yeah. yeah. You hear any <laughs> knocking sounds or anything like that, did no, you? No, no, you don't have to worry about them. They're safe enough. <laughs> Were you up in Mount Jerome when the walls fell down? That was me, yeah. What happened there? I had a clue. It was just a stormy day. Bad foundations. Just two sides of it. All of them just came down. It was about 14 feet or something, was it? It would have been, yeah. Oh, yeah, it would have been easy, yeah. I was going out to the car to have a look and see what time was. I don't wear a watch. Just heard it, and the merciful thunder sound and turned around, and the wall just came down. Now the stone I was working on was actually demolished, <laughs> along with everything that was in the line. But it was just hot luck. So you would have been under the wall. Uh, I would have been, yeah, yeah. You said to yourself, "What good deed did I do today that I was <laughs> plucked out of?" Just pure chance, uh, and and. Uh, Lucky again, there had been two people just in that corner, right in the corner, that got took the whole brunt of it. And they had just gone before it happened as well. So It could have been nasty, all right. Well, it, it, so, some of the letters, they a letter where you have a small raised piece, like at the centre of an A, or around a, the, the, the centre of eights, figure eights, they can be fairly fragile, and if it falls away, it just goes. You can't do anything about it. And uh, you either have to get a new, just get a new piece of stone to. If it's not a huge break, you can enlarge the letter slightly, and and take in the little piece that has come away. So it it wouldn't be noticeable to the casual observer. But um, generally, it's it's not bad. It's uh, the, the limestone is not. It's consistent. And it's it's fairly uh, uniform. The really nice sets, if you want to get them, are in the Roman letters, where you, it's a very formal, graceful line. And um, when they're cut well, they really look. They show they show the, the the result of good of good engraving. It's a good test for an engraver. Every style has its own form but the, 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 what you're aiming for is a, a, a graceful letter which is easily read and that balances up with the, with the letters beside it or the figures beside it What's the worst mistake you've ever made? Well, I can remember leaving out a letter in the middle of a, a long line in, in a long word, maybe a month or something and usually through a distraction, somebody distracting you, you'd, be pencil, you'd have a pencil on but you wouldn't have gone back over to check it again. And suddenly when it's finished, you cop it, or worse still, somebody else cops it and tells you quite happily that you've made a bad mistake. <laughs> so <laughs> that's the, they're the moments that you feel less than proud. What do you do then? In a case like limestone, you could rub down the whole inscription, take the whole lot away with him you'd lose about an eighth of an inch in depth just rub the whole thing away and uh, another start you know 
it could have been avoided if you'd given that extra check before you put the tool into the stone. Can you talk at all, or, or do you have to stay quiet because it's so concentrated? Ah, no, ah, not at all, you'd be talking. You shout at the radio? Sometimes, I, or you, you, you would, or you'd be, if it's a, a quiz programme or something, and you'd be answering, getting all the right answers, of course. <laughs> <laughs> and you cut Hebrew as well? We do you Hebrew, do. yes. We do the, the, the Hebrew lettering, which is... Um, you have no guidelines in, in so far as the Hebrew alphabet is totally different. So you're, you're making literally shapes, forms, instead of a, a recognisable letter. David has become very good on the Hebrew. We have to get it checked when we do it. I mean, you have the priest comes down, and he has a look at it, Cantor Shulman, he always checks them out, mm-hmm. make sure it's OK. Because you don't know what you're writing. You don't, and you might be effing somebody or being someone by sticking a leg in or leaving a leg out you wouldn't know so you just you have to get it checked before it's done yeah the Italians seem to do photographs yeah. a lot don't they yeah they're crazy with photographs and the person might be 60 70 years of age and they're bringing a photograph when they were 30 or 40 which is another but um, it's a personal thing yeah, with people some people don't have an age on them especially women they're very <laughs> even in death they don't want their age <laughs> on the stones That's quite fast on the on the the H and the capital H and the capital I, isn't it? Um, well, I suppose, as I said earlier, you just get into a routine of doing them. Um, they can get fairly monotonous by times. Yeah. And what about the S now? Even S there, how is that going to be? Well, the S is a little more difficult. You have to do the top, the bottom, chop, and then a centre chop. And then you just walk around the corners then, taking it nice and easy, inside and outside. I'm very particular about washing. Uh, pretty much throw it out if it doesn't look like rain. <laughs> w is for washing, specifically hanging it out. You want to hear a debate on how to hang out washing? Come to the Hedford Road Shopping Centre in Galway. Tell me I how to hang out a pair of jeans. Oh, I hang them at the bottom of the legs. Oh, no, I always find a waist. Why is that? But the dry better, because at least they're, you know, open yeah. up more to the... I do hang my cardigans from the bottom. And I'm always told I should be hanging them from the top. I hope you haven't a camera on that. No, no, it's the radio. So you should hang them sure from the shoulders. you sh- have got a camera? No, it's radio. It's RT radio. So uh, you, you, should, you should hang them from the shoulders? Yes. Why is that? Keep them in shape. Uh, you, don't, you don't see the track of the clothes pegs as much as they're hanging, you know, they're kind of... Yeah, there's a camera on that. I have the camera. It's radio. Here, I you can have a listen to it. I'll go mad and get a camera on I haven't got a camera. If Do I looked at RT News, I'd say I'm I always uh, hang them, the leg of the pants on the line. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. do as well, yeah. To let the air go to the, uh, the waist the because waist, it's thicker. Hang it with the, the waist hanging down. But to come here, does the, does the water not hang, gather down at the waist? And does it not take longer to dry then? It depends on the day, really. If you have a good breezy day. Right. And, and I always turn the clothes inside out as well. 
Oh, do you? Yeah. Why we do you do that? We always did that. We did it when we were young. All right. And what about cardigans and things like that? Yeah, I hang those in the, from the end of it as well. Not from the shoulder? Not from the shoulder, no. Oh, I, I hang them from the shoulder. Yeah, I hang the shorts from the shoulder. Yeah. Do you? I do, yeah. Why is that? And I've always had the sleeves proper on the... I just don't know. It's just the way you were brought up, I think. Oh, I'm very particular about how I hang it. What do you hang it? What, tell me what you do. Like jeans, for example, now, or pants? What would um, old pants and jeans are all right, but like T-shirts, you know, you kind of hang them straight, or towels. You add them, you know, four pegs to a towel. You know, otherwise you're two loops, two pegs. Do you know what I mean? Is that to try and keep their shape? Yes, yeah. So yeah. they have to be straight on the line? Yeah, yeah. Okay, they can't be sagging down? No, no, no. And why do you do that with T-shirts as well? Well, they sag as well, you know, you have a, I see, all right. And would you, spend, would you, if somebody belonging to you hung out some clothes and then you didn't like it, would you go out and hang them I out? I would. You would not, would you? Yeah. I don't have to have the socks in a row. You don't? No. Do you know people who do? I do. I think that's sad. But some people do and admire them. I think it's great because then when they go to take them back in, they have the pairs. Oh, they put the same colours beside yeah, each other and everything? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and what, what about jeans? How way do you hang jeans? Feet up, no, but if I'm in a hurry, it's windy, I'll hang them by the waist. But generally, legs up. And inside out, outside in, which way? My husband would like them inside out, but quickness, I will put them on the line, whatever way I can. Right, and if he's feeling particular about it, he can do it himself, I presume. You said it. (laughs) (laughs) I just put, I suppose, the heavier clothes, the bigger clothes on this side of the line, nearer the sun, I suppose. Yeah. Like the jeans and the, the sheets and towels and stuff. And, do you, and they do you get, they get smaller as I, go, as I go along then. So you hang from the back of the house first, out towards the, the end of the back garden? Yes. Rather than the end of the back garden towards the house? Yes, yes. And do socks have to be in pairs on the line? Uh, they do. Excuse me, I'm asking people about housework and how careful they are in their housework and whether socks have to be in pairs on the line. Or mm. They do. Mm. And what about hanging jeans? How do you manage your jeans? Legs first or waist? Waist. Why the waist? I learned it in domestic science 20 years ago. They dry better with the waist hanging? I don't know. And what about cardigans and, and T-shirts and things like that? Under the arm. You get to, you hang them by the armpit? Under the arm. And then you put the, the top of the T-shirt or the cardigan okay. over the line? Yeah. And that keeps their... their that was a great domestic science class. My domestic science teacher. I'm sorry you weren't here at all because people were saying, no, no, you hang them by the waist, no, no, you hang them by the legs. My domestic science teacher, Miss Buggy and Greg Namana, told me that... Do you enjoy it? Absolutely, yeah. It's yeah. in the spring now when we start getting the moors out and you get the smell of the cut grass and in the morning time is there. Like we would start at 6 o'clock maybe in the summertime and it's a lovely time of the day to start working. W is for watching the grass grow. That's the this hit. is Richie Doyle, greenkeeper at Lucan Golf Club. This is a bent grass, whereas outside it then you have, we have annual meadowgrass, which is a native grass in Ireland. So you have a tiny little patch there, yeah. and it almost looks like a green scab on the rest of it, because the grass is really, really, really tight. Really tight. That's the one thing about creeping bent grass. The shoot density is very high, and it's very dense growth in it, whereas the meadowgrass here you can see is a little bit more open. The leaf there is a little bit uh, coarser. It's not as fine here as the bent grass. Is bent grass good? Do you want ben- it? Bent grass uh, at the moment in on any golf course that have been built here now in Ireland, all the 
greens are being seeded with bentgrass. It's a perfect grass for golf greens because of the fine texture that's in the leaf. But it's virtually impossible to keep out this guy here, this annual metagrass. It will invade in onto these greens over a period of time. And is this Irish? Is the, is yeah, the, the uh, bigger leaf Irish? Yeah, the metagrass is a native of Ireland. And for us guys in the golf course business, you can have two ways of looking at it. It can be a weed or you can manage it to very fine putting surfaces like what we're trying to do. But certainly in, in other golf courses now that you might go to, it would be regarded as a weed. Have you ever gone to see any of those American golf courses? Oh yeah, I've been uh, in America now a few times to the annual Greenkeeper show. Looking at it on the telly, they, they look improbably green, don't they? It well, looks like they've painted them. Certainly when you're looking at it on telly, you're looking at tournament golf that is done for TV. And there is no question that it's done for TV. We can go out and spray the golf course to look well for TV, but we don't do it. Uh, what do you spray it with? Well, uh, we can spray it with dye or seaweed and liquid iron, something that will make it look lovely and green. And, and we would do it here for our captain's prize during the year, which is an important tournament. But no, what you see on TV is false. Do people complain to you about the greens and all that kind of thing? Oh, constantly complain about the Do greens. Do they? Complaints or talking points during the year now would be the bunkers. People um, are watching the Sky Sports and they see these beautiful fluffy bunkers and how well the pros can play a shot out of them. And then to come out on the golf course then on a Monday morning here and maybe play a bad bunker shot and they're saying, what the hell is wrong with our bunkers? Or is the sand inconsistent? Or how come I can't get the stop on them? Finally, W is for whistling. Something you don't hear so much anymore when people have someone else's music on headphones. This man I chanced upon while he walked his dog in a park. That's the programme. Thanks for listening. You can write to flux at rte.ie That's flux at rte.ie Or to myself, Ronan Kelly, RTE Radio 1, RTE Dublin 4.